0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. Unfortunately, it is not a victory Monday, but it is a oh, Monday man. after the Bucks had a game. The Bucks lost 14-12 to the Green Bay Packers in a low-scoring game, but still a very exciting game with a lot of drama, both on and off the field at the end, which we will Get into, of course. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, even though the Bucks lost, we're still going to make this the best podcast ever in the history of PeterReport.com.
1: I think so, Matt. It really feels like today, even though it's not a victory Monday, it's going to be a really good Monday. And here's why. Because the hurricane has not hit Florida yet. Not so yet. we still have power. We're still operational. Yeah, uh, And we have roll call coming up at, uh, at 420 today. Even though it's a, not a victory Monday, we still do roll call. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing where all you pewter people are, are listening from and watching from today. And uh, when you see this right here. Um, Matt, do you want to do some talking today, and I'll put some uh, some people's locations up. Does that sound yeah.
0: good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So at, at four twenty,
1: Matt's going to entertain us and educate us on all things Buccaneers for a couple minutes. And when you when we tell you roll call is coming up, and we put this graphic up, then go ahead and get in the chat with your locations, and we'll start putting those up for a couple minutes and find out where you people pewter people are at today. So we appreciate everybody tuning into this podcast. A special quick announcement today is Monday. And uh, the hurricane that is bearing down on not just Florida, Matt, but Tampa, yeah. uh, all places, is, is looming. And so what we've decided to do is we're not going to have podcasts on Wednesdays and Thursdays uh, this week, on Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to have a podcast on Friday, assuming we have power and the state of Florida has not been destroyed. So after the hurricane passes on Tuesday slash Wednesday slash Thursday, we will have our next podcast on Friday, so today and then Friday, and then that'll get you prepared for the Bucks Chiefs game. So th- there was some talk, Matt. The league is looking into what might happen if there is some damage to the area, and I, I understand the Buccaneers are looking at some options. You know, with the Dolphins having, yeah, a, a road game this week, it might be a situation where the Dolphins vacate their facility, the Bucks go down there because it's supposed to come up the Gulf side, not the. East Coast of Florida, so yeah. that might be the, the the easiest place where the Bucks can be displaced, even though it might mean displacing the Miami Dolphins if they're going out of town.
0: Yeah, and, week, and I, week, right? I, I could be mistaken, Scott, but I think the Dolphins have a Thursday night game this week as well. So yeah. that obviously changes things. They don't need to be in the facility, um, you know, the, on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, exactly right. for you know for that Thursday game. And another thing that you really have to factor in for this Bucks Chiefs game is that. It's a Sunday night game, so yeah. I think what would happen is because there's no way, and you know, Greg Almond was talking about this a little bit in the media yeah. room. There's no way, obviously, with like the dollars and cents involved, that NBC is just going to not have a Sunday night football game. Correct. So I think what you might see is that you're going to have another game, probably like a one o'clock game or four o'clock game, right. moved into that um, that yeah. Sunday night slot, and then either that means maybe the Bucks we'll get flexed out and move back to Sunday if you know weather permitting and everything's yeah. okay maybe or, we'll or have two it Sunday might be night a, games.
1: yeah it might be a Monday night game too if they push it there now the one thing is if you remember back in 2020 the Raiders Bucks game was supposed to be on Sunday night but the yep. Raiders had a rash of covid players right and they they were not even sure they were going to be able to field a team and and so what they did was they they pushed the Bucks Raiders game back into uh, the daytime and they replaced that Sunday night game with another game. The Bucks ended up winning that game. The Raiders got enough players out there to play, but they were concerned if they had to push that game to another day, they had to, like you were saying, Matt fill that Sunday night football spot for TV purposes so the Bucs missed out on a Sunday night football game. They did beat the hell out of the Raiders that, that year. That was a
0: fun game, too. It Scotty was. Miller, Scotty Miller made a you know yeah. a great touchdown catch. It was very exciting. and it's Back when it was Scotty like, Miller was good. <laughs> and, it was, and it was awesome, too, because Scotty, of course, is a spokesperson of Celsius Energy yeah. Drinks. And, of course, Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And we love Celsius for so many different reasons, starting with the flavors. As you see on the screen here, the vibes are very high on this show all the time. I love the Arctic vibe personally. It's one of my favorites, but the peach vibe and tropical vibes are great as well. And the peach vibe this morning. Oh, very nice. There you go. There you go. I'm running out of Arctic vibe, but uh, so I'm holding on to those last couple ones, especially if the hurricane comes. Um, But you could also get sparkling orange, uh, strawberry, kiwi, guava, so many great different flavors, seven essential vitamins. And that's the key. This is a healthy energy drink. All right. You have none of that, you know, post energy drink crash or jitters that you get with some other products. Uh, it's, it's great for, to give you that fuel to get you through your day, whether it's a workout, uh, a work day, a long drive, if you're evacuating from the hurricane. So go to the Celsius store locator on their website, find out if there's a bodega, a Walmart, a gas station, whatever it is, find out if there's a Celsius near you because it's all over the place. Or what I would also suggest is going to Amazon on and buying them in bulk. I recommend the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You would have it set up every two weeks, three weeks, send it to your house or apartment, wherever you live. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. That's Celsius. Hashtag live fit.
1: That's right. And, you know, this this podcast is not going to be a doom and gloom podcast. We we know the Bucks offense is broken right now it needs to get fixed we're going to tell you how how we feel that they can they can do some things to to fix the buccaneers um, I, I think one of the things is the loss of pat Morita really hurts right i mean the beloved mr miyagi was um, you know was a, was a fixture in american film lore and his spirit lives on in the cobra kai series on netflix right but but mr miyagi with his special powers where he clapped yeah. and did this, you know, and fixed Daniel's like wounded leg, you know, and fixed his shoulder and, and did all that kind of stuff. in the original karate kid, they really could use that right now. Right. To, to fix that Chris Godwin yeah. hamstring, to fix that, that Julio Jones knee, yeah. you know, to fix that, that elbow of Donovan Smith because right now, and I'm not making excuses for this team. I, I, I think it's a legitimate reason why we're not seeing the 30-point outburst that we saw in years past is look at the people who were contributing to that scoring outburst last year when this team averaged 29.9 points, and then the year before when they rattled off all those 30-point you know, point scores yeah. in, in, in winning the Super Bowl, Matt. Rob Gronkowski has retired. Ali Marpet, the Pro Bowler, retired. Ryan Jensen, the Pro Bowl center, is out. The starting left tackle and the backup left tackle on this team are out with injuries. Chris Godwin, the $20 million man, the two 1,000-yard season receiver, the one-time pro bowler, is out. Julio Jones, with his knee, is out. Um, Mike Evans was suspended. Yeah, You've got a new starter at center. You've got a new starter at guard, a rookie. And you've got a new starter at Brandon Walton at left tackle who's almost a rookie. You've got a veteran player who has not played but three games, essentially, with this offense in Shaq Mason. You've got a couple of new tight ends. There's so much newness. And then you factor in that this is a wide receiver-driven offense, Matt, that has its top three wide receivers either on the sidelines or Mike was not even in the stadium. And no wonder points are at a premium and they can't score right now.
0: Yeah, Tristan Wirth was the only starting offensive lineman that was a starter on this Bucks roster last season. So I don't want to call it like a patchwork offensive yeah. line, but it's definitely a new line that is going through a little bit of growing pains right now. Yeah. And it's funny, Scott, because I got asked a couple of minutes ago about, you know, what's wrong with Tom Brady? What's the issue there? And I said... It's not Tom Brady. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Tom Brady. He's at completing all. 73% of
1: his passes right now. He's yeah, exactly. one fluky interception, three touchdowns. It, and, the, and he's the been guys very, aren't getting open.
0: Exactly. That, that's exactly what I said. I said he's been very accurate with the ball, but this Bucks offense relies a lot on wide receivers winning their battles, winning their one-on-one matchups. Yeah. And obviously, when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they win more often yeah. than not. And I think a perfect example was you know, Scotty Miller was lined up. On the outside, and he yeah. got blanketed a lot. I believe it was by uh Rezul Douglas. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was one play, and we were talking about it with Paul Atwall, who was on the uh, the Peter Game Day live stream yeah. with me yesterday. And what we were talking about is you know, it was unfortunate Scotty was covered, nice pass breakup for Douglas. Yeah, but that's Mike Evans that's playing in that spot if he's not suspended. And right with all the changes and everything, it just felt like damn, if Mike Evans was in that game, it could have made a huge difference because yeah. You know, Russell Gage played very well in the, in that slot role. I understand he had the fumble, but I think he more than made up for it with, you know, oh, yeah. a, a fantastic touchdown catch, you know, at yeah. the end. Like that was behind him. Some are right. saying that that was purposely thrown that way by Brady because if it was towards his side, it yeah. would hit right into the Packers defender. But nonetheless, yeah. a great catch by Russell Gage. If you had Mike Evans in that game, I think it really could have been the difference, yeah. especially when Jair Alexander went out of the game, but I, I you know, agree. obviously he wasn't he wasn't there.
1: And, you know, Matt, and we appreciate those super chats, Leo. Thanks so much. I agree Thank you, with Leo. your sentiment about that, about the injuries. Uh, the, the thing, too, about this is the, the, the Buccaneers are three points away from being 3-0 and this season, right? Yeah. And, and the offense has not performed that well. But conversely, the defense is playing at, at a fantastic level.
0: Unbelievable. Um,
1: yeah, we just got a, a release here. Now, the Buccaneers have waived Kalen Geiger from the active roster, and released David Wells from the practice squad. So, the- yeah. Well, they had
0: to make room with with Evans Correct. suspended. Yep. So Geiger will probably revert yep. back to the practice practice squad. squad I wouldn't, right? be, yep. wouldn't be surprised if that happens soon. Yep. Geiger had four snaps on offense. Yep. but You know, yeah. obviously, so
1: just a role player essentially for Mike Evans not being there. But yeah. back to my, my point though, it, when you when you're looking at at this th- this Bucks offense and and as, as as underwhelming as it as it is right now. I'm gonna take Paul's approach on this. There are 14 games left in the season. <laughs> three have already been played. The Bucs are two and one, and they were a two point away, two point conversion away from tying it, and having it go into overtime. Maybe, maybe that they, they win or lose in a field goal. But, anyways, three points and, and they, they win this game, right? And and that's the difference. And the Packers are a damn good team, and their defense is really good too. It came down to third downs. And I think if if there's an issue, Matt, it's third downs. Yeah. I don't I don't know if the first downs are that much of a problem. Matter of fact, all three of the Bucks' most explosive plays, the 24-yarder for Brashard Perriman on the first play of the game, mm-hmm. the 25-yard catch and run by Jalen Darden, which was the longest play of the game, Cam Brate's 19-yard catch, they all came on first downs. And, and I know that the Buccaneers were in uh, you know, the two-minute hurry-up offense at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. So that skews the first down numbers a little bit, right? There was 17... Uh, passing plays, and I believe there was there was uh, six or eight running plays on first down. So if you if you you know take away those those hurry up situations, it's it's closer to 50-50, Still a little bit more pass first. It wasn't like it was in New Orleans where they're always running the ball on first down. And and I so I don't think first down was the problem. What's still the problem though, Matt, is the fact that that this offense is not getting the explosive plays. Right there was only two plays in this game that were longer than, you know, than, than 20 yards. Right. And this is a vertical based passing attack. That's wide receiver driven. So you don't have the top three wide receivers for a wide receiver driven offense. That's, that's a big part of the problem, but the third downs, Matt, the, the play calling the execution, it hasn't been there all season. There were two of 11 on third downs and granted the Packers defense came in tied with the Buccaneers for being the second best defense on third downs, only allowing 25%. Well, this game was tied from a turnover perspective, right? Usually that's that's a key indicator of who yep. wins and loses. It's tied there. They both both teams forced takeaways and recovered the ball and got an interception for the Buccaneers. But third downs, the Bucks couldn't hold the Packers to that normal 25%. The Packers converted 6 of 15. That's 40%. Most of those happened in the, in the first half, yeah. and, right? And the Bucs clamped down in the second half. But for the Buccaneers to only convert two of 11 for 18%, I mean, the Packers did a much better job, right? They came in at 25%. They held the Bucs to 18%. There was that one-fourth down conversion that Tampa Bay did convert. Cole Beasley, yep, made the but, catch. But, Matt, I mean, the the play calling, the execution on third downs is, is atrocious. And, and I, I'll say this when, when the Bucks have had third down issues in the past, what is Bruce Arians always said? Well, let's not get to third down, right? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's throw the ball on first and second down and, and avoid third down. Right. And so I'd like to see the Buccaneers continue to throw the ball on first down. Cause it seems like when, when they do second down is almost an automatic rundown. Right. And, and that's got to stop. They, they've got to be a little bit more aggressive in, in the, in the, the passing game, I think. and, and, and the other thing too, and I talked to Paul Atwell about this in terms of fixing the uh, the defense, and this relates to to scheme a little bit, not so much in the passing game, but in the running game, they're playing so much 12 personnel, which is a double tight end set. They don't have a, a tight end on this team that can block. Coquieft is good. He's not great. Cam Brate is not a good blocker, right? Kyle Rudolph at this stage is not. So I would almost like to see the Buccaneers Because what you're doing is you're saying, we want to go double tight end, help out the offensive line and run the ball. But Matt, the problem is, is you're creating weaknesses out there because the tight ends are getting overpowered by outside linebackers or by defensive ends. And it's stopping the play before it starts. And so why not go to more, you know, three, four wide receiver sets and run out of that. Give a big back like Leonard Fournette, not a loaded box. But a lighter box to run through because he does run with power. He does run, you know, with with that 240 pound frame. Where if he if he has a little bit more room, kind of pick his holes and choose. I, I like that scenario better than just telegraphing that it's going to be a run and we're going to go to 12 or 13 personnel and bring in the tight ends because the tight ends aren't getting the job done in these last two weeks.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And Cam Brate, outside of the offensive lineman and Tom Brady playing every single snap. Only Leonard Fournette had more snaps on offense than Cam Brady. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we all love Cam Brady, he's great with the media, friend of the program, been on the show before. But I don't think Cam Brady should have the second highest amount of snaps by skill position players, right? I just don't really think That should be the case. It's and safe to say
1: he lacks skill as a blocker. I mean, yeah, he's, exactly. never been a he's not gonna get better at it at age 31. He's just
0: that that hurt on a sack of Tom Brady, where they kept Brady right in momentarily for him to chip the outside linebacker, and then he went out for a pass. And it was Brandon Walton one-on-one against the edge rusher. Yeah. And Walton lost, understandably so. He's your third string offensive tackle. And so I really like what you said in terms of you know, if you spread out spread it out with the wide receivers, that forces the opponent to, you know, bring on another defensive back. Yeah. That means another D lineman is getting out of there or another linebacker. Right. And then, it you know, it opens everything up for Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Leonard Fournette statistically didn't have a good game on the, you know, on the ground. I think he had, right. what, 35 yards, something along those 35
1: lines. yards, 12 carries, a 2.9 average. His longest was six. And, I mean, exactly. you know, he well, powered for those six. I mean, exactly, it, was, it was never clean. It was, it was never I, like exactly. a clean lane for him to run through.
0: What I will say is the last two games – against New Orleans, and against the Packers on Sunday. Leonard Fournette has earned every single yard he has yes. gotten. Casey Hudson, a colleague of PeterReport.com, has been calling Leonard Fournette ping-pong Lenny because he's just <laughs> boun- he's bouncing off yeah. all of these defenders, and he's turning what should be a, a run for no gain or a negative yard, yeah. he's turning it into a three-yard rush, a four-yard yep. rush, a five-yard rush. So if you just get Lenny against some of these defensive backs, I mean we've already seen him lower the shoulder and railroad some of these right. defensive backs in other games, get him some of those more favorable opportunities there. I think that's a great call uh by you pointing yeah. that out.
1: You know what? I, I do I do have a little rant in my head, Matt. If you want to, because it is just about 420 here, if you want to do roll call and put up where people are from. That's fine, because I I do have something that I want to say, and it kind of relates back to to what uh, Todd Bowles said, and so with that, we are going to uh, make it known that it is time for
0: Roll Call! Tell us where you're at, Pewter people. We have awesome fans all across the globe, obviously in Tampa, the state of Florida, but also in other places in the United States, and in other countries as well, whether it's China Brazil Finland yeah. Germany England we have fans all over the place so start telling us where you are from or where you're watching from we will put the comment up on the screen as Scott goes on this rant which I am uh, very excited to hear
1: so a couple of things I like about Todd Bowles uh, right off the bat number one last night he was not giving his defense a pass and he said it he essentially said it doesn't matter that the defense played well and held the Packers to 14 points and made the adjustments in the second half to really clamp down on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense. He said we li- we win and lose as a team. So it's not like one side's doing their part and the other side's not and we're going to recognize that. No, this is a Buccaneer team. And so essentially what he was saying without saying it is, is the defense didn't play well enough either. Because if the offense was held to 12 points, right, and it could have been 13, right? I mean, if they didn't need the two-point conversion, they would have right. kicked the extra points. So it's just one of those things where if the offense needed – it could only score 13 points in that game, the defense didn't do their job by giving up 14, right? So I like that approach by Todd Bowles. He's holding both sides of the ball accountable in that respect by saying we win and lose as a team. He's not propping up the defense. He's not necessarily calling out the offense either. This is a team sport. This is an early – period of time for Todd Bowles, the head coach, right? This is his first loss. And and I think that this, even though this is a veteran laden team, it does have some newcomers. There are some new veterans on this team as well. The likes of Akeem Hicks and Logan Ryan and uh, Keanu Neal and Kyle Rudolph, et cetera. So there's some, some imports on this team that are veterans that they're going to be watching Todd Bowles closely to see how they respond to this loss, see how the coaches respond. The other thing I'll say is, when talking about the running game today, uh, he was a little pointed in the fact that this the Bucks need to to get Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White and more involved in the game. Leonard Fournette, aside from uh, the the failed botch attempt between Rashad Perriman on that ill fated, ill timed double end around reverse flea flicker play that ended up being a I think a twelve yard loss, Cam Brait recovering the ball there, but that was a play after out of the 25-yard uh, catch and run by, by Jalen Darden yeah. that seemed to get some momentum going. Then the Bucks go to the bag of tricks, and that play just a, way too long to develop, but Leonard Fournette only had 12 carries in that game, and aside from Perryman and, and a Brady Neal down, there's only 14 rushing attempts in that game compared to 42 pass attempts, and, and I understand that that it was tough sledding running the ball against Green Bay. But I think that this is one of those games where, and yes, they, would, they were down 14-3, to three, so they were down two scores at halftime. But I think Bowles would have wanted to see some more variety in the running game and getting the Keyshawn Vaughn in there because you know, Fournette did what he could to get those yards, but maybe – because he's got that hamstring tweak, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe Rashad White has a little bit more success and can bounce something outside or, or uh squirt through there. I, you know, I, I just am pointing it out that Todd Bowles was a little critical of the usage of some offensive players. So I, I think that's, that bodes well too. I remember the biggest complaint back in my day, covering the Buccaneers back in the nineties was was Tony Dungy never held the offense accountable. He would go in there as a defensive-minded coach and always get on the defense, right, and saying, you know, we might have to hold him to 14 points this game, right, or standard 17, but we might have to pitch a shutout this game to help the offense out. But Chidi Hanatu, Warren Sapp, there, there were some Buccaneer legends that were a little fed up with, with Dungy because he never held the offense accountable the way he did the defense. It was always an imbalance in that locker room. And there was some tension in that locker room between offense and defense because the defense was so good and the offense was not. I don't think that's the case here. I think that once this team gets healthier, there's going to be more balance. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, Todd Bowles is is not shying away from essentially criticizing Byron Lefwich as the play caller and saying, we got to play some other running backs, not just Lenny, because by the way, he's had a workload and he's got a bad hamstring.
0: And that's why, you know, I, I had asked Todd Bowles last week, I asked Byron Leftwich about Keyshawn Vaughn, because it was obvious he was going to get dressed for this game after Giovanni Bernard went on the, uh, went on the IR. And I just think, especially with Rashad White, I don't even want to say just struggling, just mm-hmm. learning how to play in the NFL, obviously. Yeah. I thought Keyshawn Vaughn could really be valuable just as that backup to give some rest. Yeah. To Leonard Fournette because he played, right. you know, as a starter last mm-hmm. season towards the end of it. So oh. he, uh, that experience is very valuable. Great point here
1: from G Vegas too. I love the high standard Bulls did on go, on Gage. Uh, don't fumble the ball. That's right. After the game, he was asked about the the play of Russell Gage and twelve catches eight, with eighty seven yards yeah. and, and playing through again a hamstring injury with him too. And the the game should have been game tying touchdown or could have been game tying touchdown. Yeah. He said, well, the fumble wiped all the good out, and, and <laughs> I, I think that's appropriate, right? I mean, if if the Buccaneers play a clean game, and this is what Bowles is all about, if the Buccaneers play a clean game, if those two fumbles, Prashad Perriman and Russell Gage's, don't happen, there is a chance they at least get three points yeah. out of Especially one. Especially
0: the Perriman one, one, for right. sure. Yeah, he was, right. he was in the area there.
1: Yeah, so it, I, I like that standard. It, it, it doesn't matter they scored a touchdown at, at the end. Maybe we wouldn't have needed that if if he hadn't fumbled it in the first place. That's me paraphrasing it, but that's Bowles' intention. So I like the the standard that he's setting. Now I will say this: what about Bowles holding himself accountable? I, I think he does. I, I don't think that necessarily yesterday's loss was one of those where the coach had to come out and start the press conference. Well, this one's on me. You know, th- this this you know, I don't think that was the case. And I think there will be some times when Todd Bowles especially on the defensive side. If, if they don't perform at there'll be plenty of times, hopefully not, but there'll be sometimes I should say where you'll see Ty Bowles yeah. come out and and, and, and start the press conference with that. I don't think he's above doing that at all.
0: And we almost got to that point. Cause let's remember, the Bucs were about to be going down 21 to 3, if not for Vita Veya dropping back in coverage and yes. smashing the back of Aaron Jones and forcing that right. fumble. Credit to Levante David as well, because he was in on the front side, but Vita, yeah. the brick wall, just smashed yeah. into to Aaron Jones and, and forced the fumble there. It was really yeah. something that, you know, uh it got the Bucks back into the game. It kind of reminded me in a weird way of when um when they played the Packers in the at rame james stadium their super bowl winning year but right. they were down a little bit and it looked bad and then jamel dean got the pick six on aaron Rodgers, right. and it changed everything i thought that that was going to be the you know the type of motivation fumble yeah i kept using go. that a lot great segue because yeah. you know there was a sack by logan hall there was the interception no sorry there was the fumble as well yeah. so uh we had pirate republic Yep, going throughout the sack by Logan.
1: Victory. Logan Hall, his first sack. The fumble recovery by Logan Ryan in the end zone. Both of the Logans getting it done.
0: And Logan Ryan with the interception as well. A Logan huge day with the interception. The, huge day for the Logans.
1: He sure did. He had a, he had a, a great game. Uh, he loves playing for Todd Bowles. I've, I've gotten to know uh, Logan Ryan a little bit in the locker room. He reminds me so much of Rondé Barber, and it's kind of funny because both those guys cut from the same cloth. They almost sound the same. Like like they could be. Gosh, like like they could be cousins or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know that they're not brothers because Tiki's the brother. But I'm just saying right. these guys sound a lot alike. They think a lot alike. Logan Ryan has said he looks up to Rondé Barber and he loves playing for uh, for for uh, Todd Bowles. Now, having said that, uh, if if Logan Ryan was here, I I would I would get him the official beer. Peter report. I would literally give him a beer, a celebratory beer, even though they lost. I think he played really, really well. I'd also give one to Logan Hall, too. He got a sack. His first sack. So cheers to you. Pirate Republic. It's the official beer of Peter report. If you've not tried Pirate Republic yet, folks, you are missing out. I love all three of these beers. I am not an IPA drinker, but the Take No Quarter IPA is fantastic. It packs a punch with over 7%. uh, And and the one I'm drinking today, because, listen, I've already started uh, open with this, this Long John Pilsner, is the Long John Pilsner. It is the most crushable of the Pewter, uh, I I should say of the Pirate Republic Pewter Report brews. The reason why is it's their lightest beer. It's got a crisp, refreshing taste. And with the toasted Munich malt, it really brings out the depth. There's a lot going on in this Pilsner. Sometimes Pilsners taste watered down. They taste kind of generic. That's not the case with this. This is a lively Pilsner. Highly recommend it. Again, they've got the Techno Quarter IPA, the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wheat. So where can you find these beauties? Well, you can find them at participating ABC Liquors, Total Wine & More, Lukens Liquors, and Party Liquors in the Tampa Bay area. Get some and stock up for the hurricane, right? That's Yeah, that's what, Hur- what need.
0: hurricane parties is is a thing. Yes. In, in Pirate, Pirate Republic. It's yeah, and the long. the long John Pilsner is, is my personal favorite, which is pretty cool. And a uh, fun fact about Logan Ryan, his dad reads Peterreport.com. he was telling that's me right. about that yeah. this week so that's super cool appreciate logan and his family for that i want to also give a shout out to marquise thank you so much for the $5 yeah, thank super you chat uh he's donated to us before so thank you yeah. marquise i appreciate it uh he says offensively they are overthinking brady's the greatest mind in nfl history just let him do what he what he does just yeah. let him run the offense yeah. you know what scott I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bucks' two best drives in the game were the you know the two minute drill at the end of the first half, yep. and then obviously the touchdown scoring drive at the end of the game, where right. it's it's you know no huddle, you're moving the ball, Brady's calling the play up at the line of scrimmage, kind of left Byron Leftwich out of it, and the Bucks right. had their most success. Obviously, you knew they were in passing situations, but. I do not think it's a coincidence.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. And and I, here's the thing, too. The Packers know that that's coming, right? I'm not saying they get into a pre-event defense or anything, but but at the same time, they know that the Bucs are going to be up-tempo. They know they're going to throw the ball. So the, the, they, they know what's coming. This is not like just the first series in the second quarter of the game where yeah. anything can happen, right? So you know that time is of the essence. So you prepare for that as a defensive coordinator. So – you want to give some ground. You don't want to give up the touchdown. And, and sometimes you'll see teams play aggressive and it works. Sometimes you'll see teams play aggressive and, and it and you know, they, you know, it, it it doesn't. They get burned. But at, at the same time, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. And I wrote about this a little bit in the Bucks Monday mailbag today. It's not like Tom Brady doesn't have a veto power, right? He collaborates on the game plan with Byron Lefwich. So it's not like Tom has handed the plays and said, here, go run them, kid. It's not the way it is. There's a lot of collaboration there. They practice plays throughout the week. Brady will determine which pass plays are actually put into the game plan, right? That happens later in the week after practice when Brady says, these are the plays we executed successfully. We're going to have this personnel in the game. This worked really well in practice. I feel comfortable with these. So a lot of what's happening on Sundays, is, or I should say, does have the Tom Brady stamp of approval. Then he gets the play call, right, in the huddle. He has the ability to change the play in the huddle, right? If he doesn't like it, he has that veto power. He's got the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage. If that play was called in the huddle, they break, they line up. If he sees a defense that would thwart that play, or if he sees a defense that is quite favorable to another play, he can audible out of that. So, some of this is Byron Leftwich. I'm not trying to let Byron Leftwich off the hook at all. But to say that it's all Leftwich and that Brady doesn't have a say in this, that's not exactly the case. Again, I I don't think the problem necessarily is the X's and O's. I think the problem's the Jimmys and the Joes. And a lot of those Jimmys and Joes that the Bucks need are either retired. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, talking to you. You were there at the game, apparently. Ali Marpet. You know, you're not helping this team. You're what, dropped 50 pounds? But Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Donovan Smith, those are the guys, when they come back in, those are four really good players that can help this offense score more than a touchdown a game.
0: Yeah, that has to be the case. I do want to focus a little bit on some positivity. Uh, We should be talking about the defense, but I think the last thing on offense, we mentioned him a little bit, but we've been concerned about Russell Gage. Uh, you know, didn't really do too much throughout the first two games. Looked like that hamstring was really bothering him. But he finally had a great game. 12 receptions, yeah. 87 yards, that touchdown. I'm I'm at least optimistic that he can keep that going, at least if, if Godwin's going to be out for another yeah. week or two. And Julio, I think it's just going to be this roller coaster week in and week out. That's a very promising yeah. sign. For this team, the fact that he was able to get it going, I understand the fumble yeah. was a big issue, and that needs to change. But as Michael says here, you know <clears throat> Scotty isn't really getting it done. Rashad Perryman was the hero a week ago and becomes yeah. you know the persona non grata this week with the fumble. And I think again, that's kind of what you're going to see with Perryman. He'll yeah. have flashes of greatness, but then it's a lot of you know mundane. Yeah. What's he doing? What's he doing? And Jalen Darden, they don't really put him on the field. He obviously made the nice play yeah. uh, you know, in the second half. And Cole Beasley, we'll see. I, he only had nine snaps. He had a couple of catches, though. I'm curious, once he gets more you know, efficient with the the playbook and everything like that, how much of yeah. an impact he can have. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be tough sledding up until then.
1: I agree. And th- the other thing I'll say about, about the offense, too, is, is this. Todd Bowles is very confident in his defensive coaching staff in terms of getting their players ready to play and playing the right players. Yeah. And I think that he knows this offensive coaching staff. He's not beholden to them like Bruce Arians was. That was Bruce Arians guys, right? That's his side of the ball, right? I think Todd Bowles, I'm not saying he's going to make any changes on the coaching staff in season, but I think he's looking at this, and if you're going to see some changes next year on the coaching staff, outside of maybe some departures, right? If people leave, like if you know if uh, if you got a the receivers coach, if he ends up going and becoming an offensive coordinator somewhere, I could see that. But I'm just saying, this offense, this offensive staff, they they really got to show up. They they got to prove themselves. They don't have Bruce to lean on, right? They don't have Bruce in their ear about plays and and. Formations and and personnel, he's up in the booth. So, this is all on Byron Leftwich's shoulders. And whether it's injuries or not, Byron Leftwich's head coaching stock right now is plummeting, right? Because right now people are looking at this and saying, okay, so the reason why Leftwich in this offense was scoring 30 points per game was because of Brady, Gronkowski, AB, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, right? Ali Marpet. Ryan Jensen, it, it was, you know, the offensive line was intact for a couple of years. And and now without those pieces, I think Leftwich is getting a little exposed. At least that's how the league might look at it. And this really might affect his head coaching candidacy because if the Buccaneers still average, you know, 17, 19 points. And they're down 10 points per game or something right now. They're down almost two touchdowns per game over last year. I mean, that's that's going to affect Leftwich's future career as as a head coach
0: it very well could. I'm not going to lie to you something happened on my end with my laptop where we both kind of cut out for a little bit so I yeah. missed part of the point you were making. But what I will say is and I don't know I was, if I was
1: basically know. saying Byron leftwich should be fired. He's horrible.
0: Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't done I'm just well. Kidding. Right? I was I didn't say that. <laughs> I, no. I mean I'm not going to say he yeah. should be fired, but Right, not. Yeah. Um I want to know whether it was Brady or Leftwich on the uh the first and 20 running a uh doing a run play yeah. out of the shotgun. You can't,
1: can't do that. Yeah, you yeah, can't that, you, that, Listen, I, I understand you're trying to catch the defense off guard. Listen, the Packers defense is too good. Joe Barry knows what he's doing. And he's of the of the old school Rod Marinelli, Monty Kiffen type of, of defense, even though he plays at 3 4 now. Still the philosophy of trample the run on the way to the quarterback, right? The Packers are a good run defense. That showed yesterday. Yeah. So if if you can't run the ball on first and ten very well why would you want to run out in first and 20, right? That's right. Doesn't that, doesn't that just kind of sit there and say, even if you had a healthy run, even if you caught him off guard and you had a, an eight yard run, you're still off schedule, Matt. You're, you're at second and 12. You're still behind the chains. You're off schedule and you have to pass the ball now on second and third down. I would almost rather just at that point in time, three pass plays, trust Brady to get you a first down, right? And that, that to me seemed a little bit more applicable to that situation than trying to be cute, and, and you know, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, well, I, I'm not calling for Byron Levers to be fired yet, for the record. Now, I reserve judgment to make that call later this season if things don't get settled when these offensive players that are injured and suspended get back in the lineup. But, Matt, I just think that that that, that was probably the worst play call for me, the first and 20 run.
0: Yeah, either that or the double reverse when you knew the offensive line was struggling, um in the first place so Completely. to ask them to hold on to their blocking yeah. for especially after getting a momentum play where you move exactly the down the yeah. field i understand yeah. there's a time and place for a trick play i'm yeah. all for the trickery i'm down to you sure. know, run a, a trick play like yeah. once a uh you know quarter of the schedule or yeah. whatever it may be but i just don't think the timing was right just there you just got some men- momentum going and then immediately took it away like if anything run like a flea flicker, not a double reverse, which takes all that time. And even before, before the fumble even happened when he was trying to pitch it to Scotty, like the defense was already in the backfield. It was very slow (laughs) developing in the first place, just getting the ball to Rashad Perryman.
1: If if my memory serves me correctly, Cam Bray blew his block and he at least made up for it by recovering the fumble because he was so far in the backfield. He was the closest guy to the ball, but you know, I I, I agree. You know, where were the sweeps and, let, let's, let's do some perimeter running, right? Let's let's maybe use Scotty Miller's speed on an end around, right? Yeah. I, I'm all in favor of the end arounds. They seem to be working. Even the one to Scotty Miller last week that was called back with Jalen Darden's holding call, that was an eight-yard gain. So I, I, the play calling was not the best. Byron Leftwich did not help his team out yesterday in, in a lot of situations. At the yeah. same time, I'm just going to say that – this offense is not going to get much better until it gets
0: healthier. Without question, but I think when you know the personnel that you have, and I understand as we talked about, the Bucs are all about winning your one-on-one battles or whatever it may be. When you know that you're at that disadvantage with Scotty or Cole Beasley having three practices, you have to start scheming and drawing up different plays that are going to get your guys open. And we just didn't really see too much of that. And you talked a little bit about you know, you're not going to fool the opposition. You know, you're not going right. to you're not going to fool the opponent that's going up against you. Now, in the sport of bowling, you do have an opponent, but you don't have to fool them because you're just trying to get a better score than them. That's right. Of course, if you're going to go bowling, the best place to do that is at Pin Chasers. They have multiple different locations from East Pasco to Zephyr Hills, Midtown and Veterans. They have one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks have their practices. And they have different deals every single night. Whether it's all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-bowl, dollar beers. They got brunch on the weekends. The food's very underrated from the pizza, chicken tenders, and the nachos. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net. Find out where there's a deal that works for you. Because there will be one. There's no doubt about that. It's a fun night out with friends and family. You could book your kid's birthday party there. Because they obviously have the bowling. They also have an arcade room as well. So a little bowling, a little video games, and... I know the holidays are in a couple months from now in December, but start booking your office holiday party at Pinchasers. They start filling up very quickly. So get that done sooner rather than later. Once again, Pinchasers.net. Find out where there is a good deal for you.
1: Yep. Uh, I agree. And and Matt, um, just a, a programming note. If you were a little bit late, we're gonna have our next podcast on Friday. We have a hurricane that is uh coming right for Tampa, unfortunately, we'll hope, hopefully that'll change and hopefully people's uh, places of business and, and, and uh, houses and apartments and stuff are safe. Wishing everybody in the state of Florida and any surrounding areas where this hurricane might be um, thoughts, prayers, hail Marys, whatever, uh, whatever we can throw your way to make sure everybody's safe. We appreciate all you Peter people out there. We want everybody to stay safe this week as well. Uh, there will be, at least to our knowledge right now, there will be a Bucks chiefs game. And that means that we will have a Pewter game day. And that's going to be the live tailgate show, the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation. And that's going to be at walk-ons. That's at 630. Then we've got the live in-game analysis, Matt Matera. And we're still figuring out the host who's going to be with you. Maybe maybe Paul Atwall again. Maybe Casey Hudson. We'll figure it out. But Matt's going to be here with another Pewter Reporter for Sunday night with that live game analysis. But we want you to join us. And we're going to be at the actually at the Midtown, Tampa Midtown yep. location for the, the Pewter Report, the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show. That's going to be the Midtown Tampa location. And we have had great turnouts there. We enjoy the interaction that we get. With all of our fans there and all the Buccaneer fans, if you have not been to Walk-Ons, it's a fantastic place to eat and watch the game. TVs galore, the most amazing food you're going to have, beers, uh, get a full bar. It's an absolute fun place to go watch sports. And why not make it Sunday night because the Bucs and the Chiefs are playing. This should be one hell of a game. The Bucks, oh, yeah. the Bucks, got to bounce back from that close loss to the Packers yesterday, fourteen to twelve. And so that's going to be at the Midtown Tampa location at 1140. And I mentioned the fact that Age Rejuvenation is our presenting sponsor. And I'm also an Age Rejuvenation client.
0: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women.
1: I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy.
0: I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt.
1: I came to Age Rejuvenation because... I was tired
0: all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today.
1: You know, Matt, I believe every single testimonial in that ad. Because I am also an age rejuvenation customer, except for one. When the lady says... I love shopping now. I don't believe her. I think she's always loved shopping. I think she might have more stamina now to stay at the mall longer maybe, but I don't necessarily believe that she just discovered that she likes shopping again. But I'll say this guys, if if you want to feel better and ladies too, go to age rejuvenation, lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen the age rejuvenation is the sponsor of my SRS fab five column on Pewterreport.com. And I'm, an age rejuvenation customer, too. John Gilmore, who joins us every game day for the Pewter Report tailgate show, is also an age rejuvenation customer. He got me turned on to age rejuvenation. It's one of the best uh, things I've ever done for my, for my health and for my body. Thankfully, I don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 this year, and energy's become a problem. It turns out I have low testosterone like most men in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And what they're finding now, and they're telling me at age rejuvenation, is it's starting to affect younger people. Late 20s, early 30s is is when you can start losing your testosterone. It's just a natural part of life, fellas. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to stamina. And now there's a way to fight it. And that's what I did with the testosterone therapy therapy. At age rejuvenation, I have more energy. I can stay up later at night. I get up earlier in the morning. I don't have that afternoon wanting to take a nap. Why? Because I went to age rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com. They've got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with age rejuvenation.
0: Scott, we got to do right by the uh, the Bucks fans and, and the pewter people. Um, we have to talk about, the fiasco that was the two-point conversion. Yeah. And there's multiple layers to this as well. Obviously, what happened was the Bucks had the ball at you know the two-yard line where the two-point conversion starts. I believe it's the two-yard line. Yeah. And look like they were gonna run it with Leonard Fournette. It looked half. like that, yeah, two and a half. Yeah. Looked like there was a you know a crease in there for Fournette. Um, but the play clock had expired. Right. There was a delay of game penalty, and then when the Bucks are at this point were forced to pass the ball. Uh, It got knocked down by Devontae Campbell. Brady was looking for Russell Gage. Incomplete. Bucks. even if they would have recovered the onside kick, probably still would have lost the game. But that's how the Bucks lost the game. But there's two pieces of drama when it comes into this. One is that apparently, and this was after, you know, talking to Todd Bowles today as well, there was one play clock that said 25 seconds. There was another that said 20 seconds. You know, Tom Brady's lifting up his leg, looking for the ball. Yep. Robert Haynesy snapped it a second too late. So Todd Bowles said that uh, they're giving that to the league, letting the league review it. We'll see if anything comes of that. The other one, you talk about home field advantage. The Bucs did not have home field advantage on this play, where when they were setting up for the two-point conversion, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers saw something on the Jumbotron and alerted it to the defense, to his teammates, that apparently the Packers knew – what type of play that the Bucs were going with. And of yeah. course, at the end of the day, it didn't didn't work for the Bucks. Todd Bull said that he's right. meeting with the operations team after this. And I don't think that'll be a very pleasant meeting yeah. for uh those Buccaneers employees. But I agree. What the heck happened?
1: <laughs> I, well it, it's crazy, right? I'll say this at the end of the day and and um you know by the way I, I went to Kansas State University. Yes, I'm wearing my
0: Go like Wildcats, big Kansas win. Kansas
1: State shirt for that, that big win, a bounce-back win, because Ryan Griffin, uh, he of the Tulane Green, Green Wave, came up to me. We had some words about Kansas State losing to Tulane, and and I, I won money on my bookie. I, I told him, like, I even showed him on my phone, like, Ryan, I actually, I actually had Tulane beating Kansas State. So you can rub it in all you want, but I agree with you. But we had a nice bounce-back win against Oklahoma. Having said that, Bill Snyder was notorious for – just taking the play clock all the way down. It was like so frustrating to watch Kansas State football for so many years under Snyder because he would do that. Matter of fact, at the home, uh, at the home games, the K-State fans would see the play clock and literally go five, four, three, two, like literally tens of thousands yeah. of people telling the quarterback, hike the damn ball, you know? So here's the thing. If the two-point conversion play did get in late, Shame on Byron Lefwich. Why? Because you know, even during the two-minute warning on that That final drive, that you need to. So you already should have in the back of your mind, this is the play we're going to run. This is the two-point conversion play. That should already be in your mind, circled on your play sheet, so when the the touchdown happens, you just tell it to Brady, and boom, like it's ready to go. There's no reason, there's no need – in the NFL or in college, even with you know, the 25 or even the 20-second play clock, to run it down and hike the ball at zero or one second. That's not necessary. You don't have to do that. You shouldn't do that. And honestly, if you can't get a play in and you can't get the shifts in motion in in time, then you need to work on that in practice and maybe not have those shifts in motion happen or whatever. I'm just saying it's inexcusable at the NFL level with an NFL center and an NFL offensive coordinator and the greatest quarterback of all time, why they can't get a playoff in a two-point conversion play. Like That's inexcusable. And if I'm Todd Bowles, I am hot about that. And I'm breathing down the neck of Byron Leftwich, Robert Hainsey, and Tom Brady on that play. Because whether it came in late or was just snapped late or Brady didn't call for it on time, it's inexcusable. Shouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, someone has to take the share of the blame, and I don't yeah. know exactly, you know, who it comes from. But, yeah, it's it's mind-numbing. You know, all the penalties had that the Bucks had, that was the most egregious out of it was. There's no excuse. You're at home trying to tie the game up. Like you said, they knew they need to go for two. Yeah. What exactly took so long? I don't <sighs> understand. Like, even Brady had the players going in motion, like, pretty late. Uh, you know, I'm saying on the, yeah. on the clock. It made absolutely no sense, especially because they barely got the last playoff to oh, right. the touchdown to Russell Gage. It was two plays in a row where it's like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Snap the ball. Snap the and, ball. And it
1: shouldn't be that. Like you should, the quarterback shouldn't have to be in a frenzy trying to beat the play clock to zero. There's no need for that. You can snap the ball at five seconds left on yeah. the clock. That's perfectly fine. Matter of fact, do that and you'll yeah. never get a delay of game penalty ever. That should be the goal. We're going to snap it with five seconds left. Don't wait until it goes down to one second and then do, you know, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. It, it, because you're, you're playing with fire and it burned the bucks yesterday. It burned them bad.
0: Burned them horribly. And I mean, it was a very entertaining game. It even was, though that, even though that the box lost. And that's just because like football is, is absolutely the best. And there's more football on tonight with the, the giants and the Cowboys, a good NFC East rivalry. And, um, you know, I'm gonna use some pickums on underdog fantasy, you and uh, you know, see if I can win some more money. I had a great one last Monday night with uh, the the two Monday night games. I hit a four person Ooh. bet. And I was so pumped about that. But that. of course, underdog fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on the NFL with, and that's with underdog fantasy and their pickum game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to twenty times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick slip. Get every pick right. Take home some cold, hard cash. Josh Capo actually won yesterday on his Bucks picks, so shout out to him. Yeah, uh, Use right. the code Pewter. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learned from Plant City Math, you can understand that's a great deal. Once again, the promo code is Pewter. And you can do a head-to-head matchups as well. So if you want to do Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes next week, you can do that as well. Use the promo code Pewter with underdog Fantasy.
1: Yep. Uh, We also would be remiss if we didn't say shout-out to the Panthers, Mr. Smith. I agree for beating the Saints, too. You have to wonder, Matt, in week one, this team pretty much took care of of Dak Prescott, right, by putting him on the shelf with that that broken thumb on, on his passing hand. And and they ruined him, right? At least for a couple games, right? Did they ruin Jameis Winston too? Did the Bucks ruin Jameis? Did did they did they bring back old Jameis? They I might have, it because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the, the Saints offense looks a little discombobulated. The Panthers now uh, all of a sudden have a little bit of life in the division. So that's something to keep an eye on. This this NFC South, uh and and the Buccaneers see if they can bounce back. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 of the opinion that this offense is not going to get fixed overnight. I I think schematically what, what Byron Leftwick Leftwich can do is go three more three and four more wide receivers on, on in terms of their personal groupings, less double tight end sets. And and also too, I, I think you know, and, and prayers out to, to Kate Otten, who lost his mom. Yeah, yeah. And, and was not
0: very sorry for them.
1: Understandably at the game and and, and right. grieving the loss of his mother. But when he does return to the lineup. I want to see more Kate Otten. I want to see less Kyle Rudolph and less Cam Bray. I just think that the Kate Otten is the arrows pointing up for this guy as a blocker. I, I don't know if he is if he's going to be a starting caliber tight end, if he's going to be like tight end one, or if he's just going to be a really good tight end two to replace Cam Bray. They might have to go out and get a more dynamic guy, but I want to see. I want to see if Kate Otten can be a player that may not be an upper echelon pro bowl caliber guy like, like a Kelsey. Right. Or or you know, even a Kyle Pitts from an athletic standpoint, even yeah. though Pitts hasn't been producing as much. But I just want to see, can he be, you yeah, know, like a, a
0: Pat Fryer muth on the right. It, it. Yeah. It
1: can be a B starter. Right. did not yeah. have to be an upper echelon A. But right now the Buccaneers are tight end. I mean, it's like C, C minus at best.
0: We have a late super chat from the Cannonfire fire podcast, $5. Thank you very much. Yeah. They say Panthers over saints alongside a wild weekend across the league. Horrible week for pick them. Uh, yeah. I guess you could speak for yourself on that one. Uh, yeah. You don't know who other people are, are picking. I will say that I, uh, I had the chiefs minus five and a half against the Colts and that oh. did not hit yeah, after right. that kicker missed the field goal. You're going to have two pissed off teams. Going yeah. into Sunday night football or wherever they play yeah. the game, because all teams lost in a uh, you know tough fashion.
1: Gronkzilla is coming to shore in Tampa soon. Um, it, it, ha- has Tom Brady reached out to to Rob yet to see if he wants to come back and play?
0: Well, wasn't he at the game?
1: That's what that's what was rumored. Yes, but I'm, I'm just saying. Like, is has that phone call? Has that text message already been sent by Tom yet? Well, is it on know. the is it on the regular? Is it is it a regular weekly thing? We need to ask Tom this week. Yeah. Have, have you had conversations to Rob Gronkowski about coming back?
0: <laughs> like, not I, answer that. Well, yeah, but
1: obviously the answer is no, right? Because Gronk's not in Tampa. He's not suited up. He's not under contract, right? But I'm just saying, like, what's what's the status there? Have you reached out to Rob about playing? And you're right. He's probably gonna say those conversations between me and my personal friends are personal and I'm not going to reveal what, what those conversations are about, you know, but come on, Tom, come on.
0: Hey, one thing that we should reveal to everyone is, is how awesome Florida Lanai curtains are.
1: That's right. Yep. I've got some. And the great thing is I'm not even worried about the hurricane with these because the way they're attached to, to my Lanai out there in, in my backyard is, is such that, that, uh, well, first of all, they're made from one of the most durable marine quality canvases. And that's that was the selling point for me was the quality of it. Uh, I know we have a hurricane coming up, but by and large, it's sunny in Florida. They call it the sunshine state, right? We live in Florida because we like the warm weather. However, the two biggest complaints about spending out time outdoors in Florida is the lack of privacy where homes are built right on top of each other. And the other one is the brutal heat of the warmer months. And Matt, it's still 90 degrees outside. We're almost in October. That's just Florida, right? <laughs> yeah. They showed, the,
0: of, they showed the temperature on the field oh, like 100 times yesterday. I mean, the,
1: the Miami game, right? That was, that was an inferno down there. Yeah. But lack of privacy and too much sun and the heat, well, that can drive you indoors and keep you from enjoying your screened in uh, Lanai or even your pool any of those outdoor spaces that you want to enjoy. That's where Florida Lanai Curtains comes in because they saw both these problems with their Privacy on Demand patented outdoor privacy curtain system and custom-made screen enclosure shade sales. Their flexible installation options and high-quality products give you privacy and shade just where you need them. Privacy on Demand's outdoor curtains are made from the well-known Sunbrella brand of Marine Canvas, backed by a 10-year fade-free warranty and available in over 100 colors. That's going to enhance the look and comfort of your of your outdoor space and match the backside of your house. Their unique shade sales are made from the SOLA mesh product, which has a ten-year warranty against degradation, and they're built to give you shade and UV protection for years to come. If you need privacy or shade or both, and you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor space, your screen enclosed pool, etc., visit Florida Lanai Curtains website lanaicurtains.com. That's what I did. To find out more about their amazing custom products and to do your own hassle-free instant online estimate. So while you're bored, waiting for this hurricane to come, go to lanaicurtains.com or give them a call at 813-337-2511 and schedule a free in-home consultation for next week. Folks, that's what I want you to do. Visit lanaicurtains.com, Check it out. It's a great investment to your home. It's going to help beautify your home and give you the shade. In the privacy that you want.
0: Well, Scott, I think we did it. I think we just had the best show ever in the history of the Pewter Report podcast. I,
1: I feel pretty good about it. I loved uh, seeing everybody's uh, don't uh, you know their locations today during uh, what is always, whether it's a Victory Monday or not, a you know a, a roll call. Right. What what was the what was the most uh, exotic or far away location, Matt?
0: Um, I saw Ireland in there, so shout out to okay. uh, to who said Ireland. Um, there was one other that was pretty exotic. I can't recall. But, yeah, Ireland definitely popped out to me. If we have uh, any from
1: the Bahamas, thank you for Pirate Republic beer. I'll just say that. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, So exactly. So uh, one more time, just a scheduling note for everyone. Yep. Uh, because of Hurricane Ian, that is coming. Our next show will not be until Friday. Yep. And that's again if we have electricity and everything is yep. going on there. And then, of course, we will have the uh, Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show presented by Age Rejuvenation and live on the walk on at the walk ons in Midtown. Yep. Very excited for that. Then the Pewter Game Day Stream for Sunday Night Football between the Bucks and the Chiefs. And then, of course, the Pewter Post Game Show on that's that right. Sunday. So we got we had the show today. We got Friday and then Sunday as well. Uh, and again, just want to send out, you know, love and prayers to everyone getting ready for this hurricane. Please be safe, and you know, obviously, let's uh, all get through this together. Yeah.
1: And in the meantime, check out our coverage on pewterreport.com. Massive traffic day. A lot of people want to read about what happened and all the controversy from yesterday's loss. We're going to get you geared up and prepared all week long on pewterreport.com. So if you're Jones in for some Buccaneer coverage. And you can't uh, watch us until Friday and you need something during the week. Well, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, visit pewterreport.com. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's at Pewter Report. And on YouTube at Pewter Report TV. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today. From Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds. And we'll see you on Friday at 4 o'clock for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. 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 Stay safe.